Welcome to the One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all of your tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. On today's episode, we talked to Leanna Patch on the importance of copywriting. Have you ever tried to write a Facebook ad or newsletter email and gone back and forth with the text, reverting the message to no end? This is copywriting. It can be fun, it can be draining, but it doesn't have to be a mystery. Today's guest is Leanna Patch, copy director at snapcopy.co and professional conversion copywriter. In less fancy terms, she will help you write better messages that will get your customers engaged. Hey, Leanna, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are y'all? I'm good. I'm very good. Alrighty, tell us about you and where do you work now and what is your role there? So I run Punchline Conversion Copywriting. I am the sole writer and control freak and head puncher, as I like to call myself. Uh, And I do conversion copy for a lot of SaaS, software as a service businesses, um, and some um, B2B work as well. So I mostly like to write uh, research-based conversion copy for email sequences and landing pages. Those are my two favorite kinds of projects to work on. For somebody that maybe isn't familiar, can you distill what that actually means? Sure. So um, when I talk about email sequences, um, for a lot of software businesses, getting people to continue using the product or the service is key after you've already gotten them to quote unquote activate or try it out once. Um, so a lot of software businesses will send a series of emails um, showing how to use the service, showing the benefits of continuing to work into it and getting to know it better and sort of walking their users um, through it. And the more engagingly uh, those emails are written, uh, the more they'll be opened, the more people will click through and continue to use the service. The other thing that I, I do, I also co-run um, Snap Copy, which is a quick turnaround copywriting optimization agency that I run with James E. Turner, my business partner. Um, and we take businesses' existing copy uh, and quote unquote optimize it so that it um, converts better, convinces people to take action. Tell us briefly about the landing pages part. Actually, I'm kind of curious sure. about it because I know a lot of e-commerce business owners, primarily our listeners, used landing pages, uh, a lot yeah. of promotions. So might, they might be interested in knowing more about that. Yeah. So a landing page is a page that has um, targeted traffic. So, and it has a single purpose. You want, you know who your user is, uh, you know where they're coming from and you know what you want them to do on the page. Um, Sometimes it can be selling a single product, um, especially if it's a higher dollar product, you have to um, spend more time and effort uh, showing people, you know, why they need it, how it helps solve their problem before you just say, Hey, buy this. Um, and other times it can be more of a, a get to know us, get to know our service so you like and trust us. So landing pages can have different purposes, but usually you know who the traffic is and you know what you want them to do on the page. Copywriting is one of those necessary but often overlooked aspects of business. What is good copywriting and why should businesses care? So I feel like all business owners have heard like, oh, we need copy. We got to hire a copywriter. But there is such a huge difference between, you know, someone who can hang a shingle uh, and just start writing versus someone who bases uh, their work on customer research and consumer psychology. So when you look for a copywriter, you're looking for someone who has training and experience, you know, um, 
mirroring people's desires and fears uh, and concerns and addressing those in the writing. So it can, it can be as, it can sound as simple as just writing something, but in reality, it, it needs to be based in what your buyers want to be effective. <laughs> I was gonna say, let's dive into that a little bit because yeah. say from the web world, I've spent a lot of time doing web development and different things. And it's easy for me as a developer running a development team to know what types of things are important to pay attention to as a business owner. Whereas I've found, and I don't mean this disrespectfully by any means, but a lot of business owners don't know what to look for because it's just mm-hmm. not their specialty. Like their specialty is whatever their business revolves around industry, that type of thing. So right. for you as the professional in this case, what are things that if I, if I came to you and I was just looking for advice as a business owner, that you would recommend the things that I need to look for in a good copywriter and in good copy? Um, I would say look for someone who asks you about the business first and tries to understand it before saying, oh, of course I can do this job for you because you want someone who really can work with you and get to know your business um, above all. Uh, and maybe who has experience working with similar businesses. You want someone who is going to do research before they even sit down to write a word. Um, and we can talk more about you know the kinds of research you can do. A lot of e-commerce businesses already have like treasure troves of customer research um, just sitting around, and sometimes that doesn't get effectively used in their copy. And then you want someone who understands how copy will work on a page, how copy will live in the real world. So you want ideally a copywriter who understands how um, copy should look on the page so that it's easily readable, how it should work with the page UX or user experience, um, so that the whole experience for the, the user or the prospective buyer is as friction-free as possible, so it's as easy as possible for them to buy. So good copy, it sounds like it's both art and science. If we were to beat this thing down and overanalyze it, if you were, <laughs> what makes good or effective copy? And I am interested in both the science and numbers and, and figures that you just uh, insinuated to and the art part. So yeah. you create like copy that's actually effective and most importantly, copy that converts. For sure. Yeah. So it's definitely a delicate balance. It's a balance between, you know, the science and the research side and the art side, which is where the quote unquote creative, you know, part comes in. But it's also a balance between being not pushy enough and being overly pushy. So you want your your buyer to feel kind of enthused and encouraged and shepherded along instead of feeling pushed or instead of feeling so disengaged that they sort of wander away. So one of the the things that we like to do, and I've, I've just mentioned the research, but one of the great places to start is by looking at data from on-site polls, surveys that you've sent to your customers, and hopefully uh, people who didn't buy or people who were unsatisfied with your experience so that you have a sense of how it works for both people who are super happy with you and people who aren't, so you know why. Um, So you're coming at it from a place of knowledge. Um, And another place that you can get some really good data, um, qualitative data like that, is by looking at chat support. Um, or email support tickets. So see what problems people are having most often um, with your store or with your site. Uh, And that's a good place to, for instance, maybe you find out um, someone sends a, a chat support request on a product page for a pair of shoes. And they're like, hey, I can't find the size chart. Uh, And then you get that, you review your chat logs and you realize a lot of people are asking for the size chart and that leads you to test 
a bigger link or a brighter button or something that makes the size chart more easier to see or different copies. So this is where it kind of blurs the line between not just words, but um, the design of the page and the interactiveness of the page. For me as an e-commerce shop owner, how do I know whether to have like your standard e-commerce store where you have a product with a product description and that type of thing versus when sometimes you see like I have a product and it's just going to be like a landing page or a long, long form Mm -hmm. type website and you're really hashing it out with uh, a multiple um, places for you to purchase like maybe three Mm -hmm. times throughout the page, that type of deal. Like when do you know the difference to do, do that? No, it all ties into conversion for sure. And I, I can't speak to, you know, ironclad best practices because, you know, when in doubt, test. And that's where a conversion optimization agency um, can be really helpful with coming up with test ideas. But one, you know, one not so hard and fast, but often applicable rule is that the the more the product costs, the more resistance your buyer will have and the more convincing or persuading or showing uh, that they need it, you'll have to do. So those higher dollar products, um, you'll often see those on a longer landing page or just landing page with more information versus just a simple one screen um, product description like add to cart page. Does that make sense? Totally. Another one, more in the general sense, before we start drilling down, what are some baseline rules for what makes terrible copy? (laughs) Um, One thing, I think this is like the basic thing that most people do when they sit down to write. Um, They start with themselves. So they say, we are a store and we sell this stuff and we started in this year and we, you know, grew from there and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if I'm a buyer, I don't care. I want to know about me. I want to know what you can do for me. Um, and so I do, you know, there, there are places for that we-centric copy. Like, you know, if I'm reading your about page, I probably do want to know a little more about the actual company. But um, you'll find that a lot of copy from anywhere in the e-commerce funnel, whether it's actually on the site or the product page, or whether it's their sales emails or their social media, it's kind of selfish, for lack of a better word. Um, and that's the easiest shift to make. Just every time you sit down to write any piece of copy, ask yourself, you know, what is my reader going to get out of this? What about the difference between like that active voice of you can do this thing, blah, 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 with our service versus we provide this mm-hmm. because of our service? Yeah, yeah. And I that's one easy edit to make to existing copy. You know, if the sentence is clear without those we descriptors, just take yourself out of it. You know, you don't want like just inactive verbs sitting around. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example here. You don't want just sort of lackluster description, mm-hmm. especially if, you know, if you're going to a, a page with a headline, that headline should be active. It should sort of tell me what I'm going to get from this. It should just be like, here is a thing. Man, I'm going to start geeking out because my whole background is language Please arts. Do. Like, yeah. Uh, I, what I do now is all business, but what I went to school for was all reading and writing. So mm-hmm. let's even clarify a little further for people that maybe need like a, a grammar lesson or a, a reminder. What is the difference between active voice and passive voice? Active voice would be like, I kicked the ball. And passive voice is the ball was kicked. So passive voice is where something is happening to something else in the sentence, but it's not, there is no um, subject doing the action. 
and this is like this is a review for me because I definitely learned this stuff in like fifth grade and have not really revisited it since. I just sort of have it in the back of my head, but um, it makes a sentence more interesting to read. You know, so if you see a lot of it is made or uh, it is constructed with, um, you know, sometimes you need phrases like that. I'm I don't want to say passive voice is bad all the time because sometimes that's the clearest way to say a thing. But in general, especially if you're on if you're on a landing page, not like a product description page, uh, go for more active verbs and go for verbs that you don't see as often. And this is kind of taking me into the realm of what is and is not, uh, quote unquote, sticky copy or copy that will stay with your readers and kind of make them think versus copy they can ignore because they've seen it before. So instead of get, for example, get your free ebook is a lot of is, is a common call to action uh, on a lot of e-commerce sites or, you know, not e-commerce, but get your free whatever, get it or download it. Um, you might say something like grab or snatch or nab. And just that tiny word shift can make that copy stand out a little more. And hopefully that standing out makes it more effective. And that's a test. You know, you can run a test with copy and find out if it actually is more effective or if people are like, what does it mean to nab an ebook? Do you have that? I, I was going to ask you for some specifics. That's that's one cool one. What are some other ones either that maybe you've used before or that yeah. you've seen other companies use in this setting, in this business sense um, that really made a difference or helped it pop out to you? For sure. So uh, in Snap, in my business that I co-run, uh, we were optimizing a, a free download pop-up. So an opt-in, very similar to what I was just talking about. Uh, and I think we submitted a few variations. And one of them was, um, hey, don't leave without your goodie bag. Uh, and that boosted signups by 129% because people aren't used to seeing goodie bag and they aren't used to seeing a pop-up address them so personally with something like, hey, you know, usually you see a pop-up that says like, please join our newsletter. And the button says submit. <laughs> and it's very impersonal. It's, it's not hard to to let down a robot, you know, you just click no. Um, but if it sounds like it's actually coming from a person and it feels like it's actually for you, then you're just going to see more people sign up. That's a great example. All right. So, I mean, it, it seems to me that evoking emotions through copy is important. But what I'm curious about is, and and the backstory of why I'm asking, I'm going to ask this question is I've read one time that some feelings are better at creating conversions than others. And in that book, it said that um, for example, happiness or evoking happiness is the most effective way of making conversions. And it's not very effective to make the reader or listener sad. Fear comes second after happiness, but only if you provide a solution, if your product is a solution or an answer to that fear that you've just evoked. So I have two questions about that. First of all, I'd like to know if there's any truth to that, if it's something that listeners should be paying any attention to, because I'm a firm believer that if something is true, it's not necessarily right, because sometimes things take too much effort and time, and they don't really make that much of a difference. Mm -hmm. So I want to know if it's if it's really something worth paying attention to. And the second thing is, how would somebody be able to take advantage of that without without pushing it too much where they become borderline manipulative yeah. of the customer's emotions? I, I definitely, it's great to make people feel emotion. You want them to feel something when they're reading your copy. And it comes down to knowing what emotion they need to feel at a given time. So you don't have a lot of room for that on most product pages. You have to kind of, you know, you don't have a ton of copy if you're using a shorter page. Uh, for longer pages, for example, um, there are 
copywriting formulas that you can start as a, as a foundation for your copy. And one of those is called PASS, Problem uh, Agitation Solution. So that kind of, it starts out by meeting the user where they are, like, hey, you have this problem. We understand it. Here's how it feels. You know, it maybe doesn't feel so good. And then they agitate it. They say, and here's what it's going to do to you if you continue to have this problem. And they paint this bleak future um, for the reader. And then at the end of the page, once they've imbued that reader with, you know, kind of these bad feelings like fear and doubt and worry, uh, anxiety, then they say, solution, here's what we have to help you. And at that point, you can kind of introduce some excitement and some urgency to get them ready to click through to the next step or to buy or to add to cart or whatever it is. So it comes down to knowing what is going to be most, what emotion will be most effective at a given time to make your reader feel. I feel like there's a lot of room to do that with the about us page. If you're selling, if your your brand is is entirely about one thing, or I feel like you can also do that with the brand itself. Like you just said, you know, evoking happiness is something brand can do. Coke is is a great example of that. You know, that's I feel like that's when I what I think about them. That's what I think about. Though I don't drink. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Although you don't drink it, right? So like, how effective is it? (laughs) But a lot of people do. Yeah. Of American, um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not the reason that Coke is going to go out of business. So. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I also associate them with happiness, and I don't drink a lot of Coke, so that tells you how yeah. good their branding is, and they definitely have sort of staked a claim in the realm of happy. And I think McDonald's was doing that too. Like they've used the word happy so much in their marketing. Um, one, so you said about pages, and I actually just wrote a long article for Conversio about sustainable e-commerce businesses. Um, And I was reading a lot of uh, about pages for these sustainable e-commerce businesses. And most of the businesses with uh, a focus on social good or philanthropy or giving back like Tom's, for example, Mm -hmm. on their page, on their about page, they want to make the reader feel like their partners in this, you know, in this philanthropy, uh, like they want to make the reader feel like they're doing something good when they're purchasing. Um, so that's, that's the example that comes to mind for making someone feel like, you know, they're complicit in this good deed or like they're a good person because they're buying. Um, and that might not be how you want to make your reader feel because your branding just might be different or your missions might be different, but you do want to make them feel something. And often, especially if it's not, uh, a product page, you want to make them feel good. Because why not? You want people to feel good. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought this up. And I'm going to add kindgoods.org to the um, sh- the uh, the notes. Oh, yeah. So, but it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an initiative that we just started recently for our listeners who may not know about this. We just started, basically, we want to reward and encourage and help businesses that are sustainable because we feel that you know, we can really change the world through business, not we, us, ourselves, Convergio necessarily, but all of us as businesses and business owners, we really can make an impact in the world by being more responsible because there's always, you know, um, a better way of doing things. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. We're going to add it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Practical tips for a total beginner starting to copyright. I think like ground zero is just starting to pay more attention to the copy that moves you personally. So, you know, as you're clicking around, if you don't have an ad blocker on like I do, um, notice what ads catch your attention. Notice the ones that you immediately dismiss as sort of spammy and like, ugh, that's not for me. And the ones that, that are successful on you that you click through. 
or the products where you read it and you're like, oh, that's exactly what I wanted to know from that product description. Um, that's, that's sort of like the best way to just start being aware of the kind of things that work on you. And then if you make a swipe file, if you take screenshots or you copy uh, the text over into an Evernote, uh, however you want to do it, you can start building up a little portfolio to refer back to. And you might see like, oh, all of these ads that I found super effective and not overly pushy um, were meeting me on my level, were um, convincing me to click through in sort of a friendly way instead of uh, a do this now or you'll die kind of way. Um, and it might be something else, but you'll start to see patterns emerge as you pay more attention to the copy that you find effective and ineffective. What about how much time should you spend in your industry versus other places? Uh, the context is I have a good friend of mine who is a very successful copywriter, and he does not research any best practices. Um, he spends the majority of his time just reading good literature. What are your thoughts on that? Looking outside of your industry, I think it's a really good idea. There's definitely, there are differences in the, the way that you write for um, offline versus online, for sure, though the there are differences in the way that you write for an audience that's cold, that has no idea who you are and why they might want what you're selling versus an audience that you've been warming up. Um, so I think, you know, it all comes back to knowing who you're trying to target and sell to and uh, how ready they are to hear from you and what they need to hear from you. So it, call, it com comes back to that research and sorry to be kind of like a one trick pony <laughs> with that, but, you know, Getting to know, um, asking people what they are looking for is is a great place to start. Yeah, okay. You just tried to fly under the radar with some really great information there. Yeah. You said differences, <laughs> but you didn't clarify what they were. So, for example, like what are some of the differences between online versus offline? Um, so, so direct mail, and this is totally not my specialty, um, uh, direct mail was kind of uh, where a lot of the copywriters that we know and love and learn from started, um, including one of my favorite dudes. His name was Claude Hopkins. Uh, he like invented the coupon. That was him. Um, he's the reason that people use toothpaste. And he wrote this book in 1924. It's called Scientific Advertising. You should read it. That's my plug for Claude Hopkins. Um, but I think to me, and this is sort of anecdotal because, again, I don't have a ton of experience writing for cold offline channels. Um, there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more pushiness. There's a lot more hyperbole. Um, there are different forms of copy that tend to work well, like the long form sales letter. Uh, you know, if you get if you get a piece of mail uh, and it's like a five page personal letter written from uh, someone to you, that's kind of a classic direct mail format. And, you know, we have corollaries online. We have the long form landing page, which kind of serves the same purpose. Um, let's see. In terms of writing for people who are cold versus people who are warm, you know, people who don't know who you are versus people who are who have been on your list for a while. Um, you just have to do more identifying and explaining the problem to cold prospects. Uh, you have to get them sometimes if they're completely unaware that they have a problem, you have to kind of shepherd them through understanding and revealing this problem to them without freaking them out so much that they run away. Uh, and then 
do more work to bring them through the stages of awareness till you can say, hey, I have a solution versus someone who's been on your list for a while. They kind of know they have this problem, whatever it is. Uh, and then you can you have less work to do before they're ready to buy. Mm-hmm. All right. What about the flip for somebody that's uh, starting off just trying to begin to get better at doing their own mm-hmm. copy, whether it's professionally or for their own business and they just happen to be handling it themselves. What are some mm-hmm. common pitfalls or mistakes that young writers often make? Definitely writing about themselves too much. Um, they, and this is funny because I'm just about to speak about editing uh, this weekend. So this is kind of coming from this talk that I'm about to give, but um, they, they reach for like $2 words instead of 10 cent words. And they, they try to make it sound fancy and they obscure their meaning. So just say what you need to say uh, and, and write like you speak is a common piece of advice mm-hmm. uh, because you'll have a natural cadence in your copy. And a lot of times when you see beginner copywriters start out, it's kind of stiff. Uh, it almost seems formulaic. And there are words that no person would use in conversation. And we don't want anybody to ever feel like we're trying to make them feel dumb. Uh, when they're reading our copy, we want them to feel like we're right there with them. So those are some of the things that I see a lot. All right. What about the idea of I'm inspired versus I just need to sit down and write? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, That's good most time, yeah, most days it's like you just need to sit down and write. Um, <laughs> and there is there is like so much truth to the idea that you just sit down and you write some stuff and a whole bunch of it is going to be garbage at first. And that's why we have drafts and it's fine. You just have to sit down and write the garbage and get it out of the way. And then eventually, you know, and especially as you become more discerning uh, through paying attention to what you find effective and ineffective in other people's copy, you'll start to develop kind of an ear for what's going to work better and what's not. So you'll be able to look at your first draft and be like, okay, this part's trash. This is trash. This I can work on. And you'll pick out a piece of it or, you know, a headline or a particular sentence in your product description. I feel like practicing. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, go on. No, definitely. But I feel like that's also where maybe some people might uh, find it a little challenging. Um, for example, writers often have this this issue where they write something that's good, um, but then they go back and they doubt themselves and they keep editing and editing and editing. And then it just never goes out to the public because right. they're stuck on making it perfect. So that's also something I think is worth keeping in mind that yeah. make it good enough, but don't get stuck on it in the grand scheme of things. If it's good, it's good. It doesn't have yeah. to be 100%. Yeah. And if it works, it works. And it doesn't have to look like a piece of art to be super effective. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. All right. So how does humor play into all this? I'm curious because that's your niche, you know, (laughs) copywriting with with a sense of humor. But it doesn't come naturally to everyone. And I think it's a blessing for people to be aware of that. Yeah. (laughs) That, that, you know, (laughs) it's good if somebody is aware that humor just doesn't come naturally to them or it's a skill that they they haven't really worked on. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, humor isn't isn't the best way to go for every single brand out there. My goal and my the kinds of projects that I love to work on all stem from the fact that you know, making people laugh makes them feel good and making them feel good as we talked about can make them like you know, like, and trust you. And then they're more likely to think of you or buy from you, um, when they need something that you sell. Uh, and you know, I spend all day 
on the internet. I, I shop a lot online and I, especially in the e-commerce realm, there's so much opportunity for funnier copy that wouldn't harm conversions. So like everything has to be passed through the filter of, is this going to improve or uh, tank my conversions? And you never want it to tank your conversions. So everything has to be clear first and foremost. But there's so much opportunity for people to brand themselves with humor in their copy and to make their customers feel like they're having a really good time. Um, And there are some businesses that are doing a fantastic job of that. Some that are sort of doing it and some that aren't doing it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, like I I have on my site, you know, humor copy is not going to be for you if you run a funeral home, probably. Exactly. Yeah. But if you sell socks, then why not? And there's a sock shop that I always think of called Foot Cardigan that is known uh, for their hilarious copy. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like um, it's not necessarily humor, but rather, again, going back to evoking emotions, mm-hmm. um, making the reader or the person who comes into contact with your copy feel good. Yeah. That can be entertainment or or sometimes like you just mentioned, a perfect example of funeral home, even entertaining the reader is not a good thing. So right. But yeah. what, are, what are some examples? Do you, have, do, or do you have any examples or alternatives to write entertaining or happiness-inducing <laughs> copy without using direct humor? What are some practical ways? So this is kind of, this is what I've been exploring lately. It's trying to teach ways to pull humor out of any subject. And so I do a lot of improv comedy and I do sketch comedy. Um, so we have, we have some improv principles or best practices that map really well to copywriting. Um, and one of the ways that's not, doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, a joke joke is, um, using the rule of three. So, uh, for some reason, the human brain finds series of things more effective or more memorable in threes. And this is true in copy and this is true in comedy. Um, and so if you, you know, if you have a, a list of things that you're writing about and you get to the third one and it's different, that difference triggers surprise in the brain. And hopefully it's surprise and delight if the last item in the list is different enough. Um, so that's one way to to sort of bring a humorous approach to copy without necessarily like cracking a, you know, a knock knock joke. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is, this is something that I am trying to explore and teach and learn more about myself because it's one thing to, to write the way that I find funny and that hopefully, you know, my clients will find funny um, and another to explain how I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, But it's like, that's my whole passion that's definitely what i want to keep doing so you do stand-up comedy i do i used to do more stand-up um i do mostly improv and sketch comedy these days do you have i do love stand-up do you have any cool (laughs) stories that you want to tell us about About uh an experience that you had this is i'm totally segueing but i want to see if it's like one of those (laughs) things we i don't think we've had a stand-up comic yet um, on on the show so do you have any funny like audience moments or times that were like oh gosh what am i gonna do now or just like some something emotional that you can draw us into luckily i have never like flat out bombed i've definitely been at you know open mics where the audience did not care and you're standing two feet away from them sort of doing your three minute set and you're just like okay i would like to leave now um i've never like totally crashed and burned luckily um but 
Uh, the one, the one parallel that comes back to me is the first time I ever did an open mic. Um, I was so excited and I invited all my friends and it was packed out and I was super stressed. And then I went up on stage. I think it was like four minutes. I had four minutes to do a set and my best friend was in the back of the room and I just did all my jokes to her. And it was perfect because it was the best version of me. It was so relaxing. I knew what she would find funny, which is, you know, she brings out the best in me. So I performed only to her and it went over awesome. And so that's kind of how I try to approach everything now uh, from public speaking to writing copy to the quote unquote one reader. You never want to write to like a whole bunch of faceless masses. You want to write to your one reader who's really going to, you know, love and appreciate you. So I don't know. I just sort of brought it back around to copy, but that's that's my like most <laughs> no, good, stand good up memory. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'll be here all night. Did you touch on um, your one reader? Uh, I think I know what you're talking about, but can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, and that's I should have mentioned this earlier when you said that, and when we talked about you know mistakes that people who are just beginning with copy often make. Um, the other mistake that they'll make often is writing for a crowd or referring to people sort of in bulk, like cattle. Uh, and nobody wants to think of themselves that way. And that's why that kind of, co- that, that kind of copy isn't effective because you can't, you can't uh, make someone feel like you're writing for them if you're not. So instead of writing to your customers, you want to write to, um, you know, Jeff, who lives in Jeff, I don't actually know where you live. Uh, Rapids, Jeff lives Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids Michigan. Um, and he loves to mow the lawn in his spare time. So like, you know, all these things about your one reader and you write to them and that helps you be more specific, which is another great rule of copy is to be specific. Imagining the ideal customer as a person and giving them hopefully even a name if that's necessary. Yeah. And, and one I- big caveat, I'm sorry. One big caveat is to not make that person up. Definitely base that on research. Absolutely. Yeah. Corporations often uh, tend to be like, this is our avatar client and her name is Beth and she has three (laughs) kids and she works in marketing. And it's like, Beth doesn't exist. Beth isn't who buys your product. It's Beth's mother-in-law, Nancy, you know, and you're getting your targeting all wrong. Yeah. Um, There's more than one person, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure, and knowing who those people are, and what they absolutely like. favorite resources, books, blogs, videos. What do you got? Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say copy hackers first and foremost. Um, Joanna Weeb and Lance Jones. Joanna Weeb is is really well known for being the original conversion copywriter, and I was in her first mastermind group, and she's been an incredible teacher. Um, so copy hackers is the best place I would say to learn about conversion copywriting. Um, I like conversionxl.com. Uh, These are all blogs. These are all online. Um, crazy egg. What else do I read? Uh, inbound.org has collects a lot of great posts from all over. Um, growth hackers is a good one. Where else? Um, I used to read copy blogger a lot. That's a great place for um, if you're looking to do more content marketing and more blog writing and maybe not e-commerce writing. The Shopify blog is great. Um, obviously, Conversio has a lot of great resources, especially in the Academy section. Um, Thank you. Yeah, uh, there's so much out there. And honestly, you can pretty much Google e-commerce copy and then any kind of copy in your funnel, like e-commerce, Facebook ad copy or e-commerce blog copy or whatever it is. And you'll come up with some really great resources. Sure. Yeah. 
one of my favorites, it's not exactly copy, but one of my favorite speakers is, uh, her name is Marie Forleo. And mm-hmm. she has a very um, popular saying. She says, everything is figure outable. So yeah. can be figured. Like, all you have to do is really just go to Google and yeah. just Google it. And you bet your bottom dollar there's one person, 10 people, yes. people already wrote about it. So. We live but, in crazy times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. So where can our listeners learn more about you and your services so they're not stuck Googling you? Yeah, um, they can visit punchlinecopy.com, um, which is my solo business. And uh, I'm also at snapcopy.co. Uh, and I will actually be in a couple weeks publishing an article, another article on the Conversio blog about how to brand yourself in your copy throughout the funnel. Oh, I love um, it. So look out for that. Yeah, it's going to be a, a big deep dive through the entire e-commerce funnel. It should be awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. It's been yeah. a pleasure to have you on this call. Thank, thank you. you. It's been so much fun. One Stop Shop is a production of Conversio. Let Conversio's all-in-one dashboard run your marketing so that you have more time to run your business. Get started for free at Conversio.com. On our next episode, we talk to Crystal Richard on the importance of and tips for public relations. You know, once you've helped yourself and they've written about you, don't let the relationship end there and pick it back up in six months when you need something from them again. Share their content, offer to help them when it's not beneficial to you, make introductions to other people you might know, things like that. More on the next episode. One Stop Shop is also produced by my company, Come Alive Creative. If you have questions about producing a podcast for your brand, please visit comealivecreative.com. Finally, we want to know what you think. Is this the first time you've ever listened? Have you been listening from the beginning? Either way, head over to conversio.com forward slash iTunes and leave us a rating. Conversio, sell more, do less.